Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. The draft is, what, like a week away? What's today, Thursday? Yeah, it's a week away. Uh, lots of things going on. Some awesome news we've received about Joel Farabee and Ryan Ellis. Really pumped uh, to get into that. Just cannot wait, absolutely. Uh, so let's get things started, as we always do. Lead off with the intros. Start it with Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. Oh. So we did our SB Nation mock draft this week, over the weekend. And I wanted to trade the first round pick to Arizona. First round pick plus Morgan Frost for Jacob Chikrin. And I was turned down and I wanted to discuss with you guys because he is. All right. So here was my thinking. Right. I, I was told I was not turned down from Arizona. Arizona was going to take this trade. I was turned down from Broad Street Hockey. Yeah. So this is a good defenseman, a solid defenseman, a proven asset where fifth overall pick is valuable, but we don't know what we're going to get. And the Flyers suck at development. So we've got this guy who's a defenseman and good and youngish, young. Um, Maybe we boost our defense instead of taking another lottery ticket on someone the Flyers aren't going to know how to develop. The thing about a top no. five pick is you don't have to develop him, especially the guy I want. He's going to go to college, and then he's just going to come play for the Flyers. Nothing else is going to happen in between. They're not going to get their hands on him and ruin him. Also, Morgan Frost has no value. You may have actually brought down the value of the fifth pick there. <laughs> Well, my, my first thought was actually the fifth and Prover for Chikrin, but I thought that was insane. So here's, and I was not included in any of these conversations because I am tech. You were there, you just weren't there. Yeah, I just wasn't there. Um, what I would say about Chikrin is that, like, he's good. He obviously had a pretty bad year last year, but also, like, everybody had a pretty bad year last year. I would be intrigued about that concept if you could then, because, like, Chikrin's a left-handed defenseman. Provorov's a left-handed defenseman. Sanheim's a left-handed defenseman. So I don't really see the point of trading the fifth overall pick for Chikrin when you have those two guys. But if you could, like, 
trade it for Chikrin, and then trade Provorov for something Ooh. else really good. Like the nine. Then, okay. then we're cooking. Okay, okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, let's get fancy and like, let's bring Jacob Chikrin home. Bring him home. This is this was never his home anywhere other than in your mind, Steph. Yes. Excuse me. Excuse me. He rehabs in Westchester, and his father was a flyer. Yeah, his dad did play here. To be his fair, his father was a Flyers. He's played in the Flyers alumni game. He's he's from here. I have so little interest in Jacob Chirkin, and maybe seriously, because, I could not. Maybe hear it's less. because of Steph, but I, I mean, really it's, just—it's absolutely because of me. But really, it's because just I do like, the same thing with players that you like. No, I, it's just like I don't think we need Ivan Provorov version two, and that's what he seems to be. Like he just I, had a fucking horrible year. I don't want to bring yeah. in a guy who stinks. I literally, the okay, whole like, reason that in, in the Slack chat, like, as soon as Steph said it, I was like, no, you're fucking obsessed with him. No. Like, I'm not even entertaining this idea. We're not doing it. It's, He's it's a, a good defenseman, guys. <laughs> Before. But the only reason, the only reason I didn't push harder is because Maddie brought up his injury history, and it is significant. It is significant. Oh, well. So, you you ready for him now? Yeah, bring him on then. He can help with the tank. Bring him home. Steph, before we finish these intros, before yeah. Charlie and Kelly got into the Zoom chat, I said, in your intro, yeah. plug the draft party. Yes, and, and then, then make the gritty. You didn't do that. You sure didn't. You sure didn't. And then it. you just went in a totally different direction. It's why I let off with you. Okay, so <laughs> we're having our draft party. It is on the day of the draft, which is a Thursday, July 7th. It is starting at 6 p.m. Get there for 6 p.m. Yes. Because as we start, we're going to do trivia with Flyers Charities, and they're going to do a lot of really fun giveaways. It's starting at 6. Be there at 6. So where is there? It is inside the Xfinity Live Casino, the bar, sports and social. So it's it's along with the, the FanDuel Sportsbook uh, but it is it is the bar that's in there. Um, so to, to be clear, have the whole to, be, to be clear, Steph, just because to avoid any confusion, this is not in Xfinity Live, the traditional Xfinity Live. No, it's no, no, Philly Correct. Live. Just, Philly just, Live. Just oh, casino. I'm sorry. I forgot what it was called. Philly, Philly Live. Live yes. The casino. Sorry. I don't live there anymore. It's in, so it's in that same world. It's just not Xfinity yes. Live. It's on like the other side of the ballpark. Correct. Correct. So it's still down there, but it's the casino, not Xfinity Live. And we're going to be in the bar called Sports and Social. You'll see it. There's a lot of big TVs. Um, we're going to have Flyers Charities there because we always do some type of, of charity element. So this is the parent organization to the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation, which is who we usually donate to. This is who they're, they're 506. 501c3 401 501 sure girl i don't know what are we talking about i i know we're it, getting too in the weeds now this is They're, getting way the, too in the weeds well this is why i didn't want to do it to start with it's a non anyway it's a non-profit that's owned by the flyers ish kind of they're their own thing they're going to be there they're doing giveaways we're starting trivia at six sports and social in philly live casino thursday July 7th, starting at 6 o'clock. And why can't Gritty be there? Our, our dude Gritty. Our dude He's on is on vacation. <laughs> Gritty's at the shore. Like, Gritty, I fully, on his Gritty is sitting in the lounge chair. He's, he's getting all tanned. I fully understand that there's a human being inside the costume, but that's not what I'm picturing. 
A little bit. No, no. me neither. No, Gritty himself. The full ass Like gritty I'm picturing Gritty, like where, where would Gritty the beach. go on vacation? Like he's definitely he at the to shore. Sea Isle and he parties his ass off. And he's got like the, the zinc yeah. sunscreen plastered under his ghoul eyes <laughs> that don't really blink. Like this is Gritty is on a lounge chair with like a pina colada. So here's here's my justification as to why that is actually what is happening. If you remember the time when Gritty was accused of accosting a child, it wasn't like <laughs> the was guy gritty. in the Gritty costume was <laughs> yeah. potentially going to get sued. It was Gritty, gritty. was going to get sued. And gritty. every single news story was like Gritty is the villain here. Like we we all just collectively decided that Gritty is like the, the entity that is a yeah. person, a real yeah. person. So if yeah. we're all going to collectively decide that, then it has to hold for vacations too. Yeah. I think he goes yeah. to the so Galapagos Gritty, Islands. He's on vacation. <laughs> for the 4th of July, Gritty is on vacation. He will not be able to attend our draft party, um, which sucks, but also, I guess, I guess. We're grownups. We can I deal. Guess, I guess. He's got to get out of the, the bowels of the Wells Fargo Center. He from came Tyler's last Hollywood. time, and if you missed it, that's on you. Should have yeah. came to our that's last draft you. party. Just yeah. because they drafted, the, just because they traded the pick an hour before yeah. the draft, and you didn't Should've show up, anyway. and you missed Gritty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sucks to be yeah, you. Yeah. So for this year, I'm flying Wednesday night. So if there's going to be a trade, it will happen Wednesday night. They're not. They they will not trade the pick. They're not no, trading they're not the pick. Trade. At least not unless unless it's like maybe a draft down it, but like it's whatever. Anyway, from TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Yeah, I don't really have much here, just that I will be at the draft next week. So, unfortunately, I will not be at the draft party. You can't Uh, get Charlie's autograph at the party. Yeah. Say hi to Micah for me. (laughs) I will. I'm looking forward to it. This is the first draft I'll be attending in person since 2019 in Vancouver. Uh, And I've also never been to Montreal. So, super pumped. I'll be getting there on Tuesday and be there through Saturday. So, I'm looking forward to this trip. I think it's going to be a really good time. The French are assholes, Lloyd. Eh, I mean, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Last but certainly not least, to fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I know that we're going to have a good show because we talked for 21 minutes about absolutely nothing before we even started recording. So we're on one today. I was like, (laughs) like, before you guys got here, I said to Steph, like, this is going to be like a two hour show. And then we were talking about doing like a different draft preview next week. And then we were like, okay, we can condense this. And then, like, Steph's intro was 15 minutes. <laughs> it's we're gonna, you know, it, it's going to be what it is. Bill and I were bullshitting for, like, 20 minutes before this show started. And I asked, how long have we been podcasting together? So, really, it's your own fault. You know yeah. when you give me free reign, I will not shut the fuck up. You know this. It's, we're, it's like we're over 200 episodes of BSH Radio alone. Maybe three. Yep. I don't remember. Anyway, it's a lot. So I made the uh, half joking comment after the draft lottery that it's actually good. The Flyers are at five because uh, it takes some of the choices out of their hands. Now, as I'm seeing so much content about like uh, Slavkovsky potentially overtaking the number one spot, right falling, uh, I'm just reminded so much of the 2017 draft with Heeshear overtaking, like, the inevitable number one in Patrick. I know we're all scarred by what happened in 2017, and these playoffs, like, really capped it off for us. 
Um, I just remember, though, in 2017, how there were no franchise players in the top of the draft. And then, you know, three, four, five yielded stars and four became like maybe one of the two best players in the fucking league. Well, this whole draft process this year is reminding me so much of that 2017 catastrophe that I'm excited to have the fifth pick. Like, a lot of the stuff that's coming out about number one and, like, what could happen at the top, it could very well just be content for content's sake. Um, We've got to fill pod time. There's got to be column inches with draft content. Uh, Whether it's actually interesting or not, you have to make it interesting because the audience demands draft content. It's not just like, well, this is what the order is going to be the end. If that's the way it is, you have to write something else then. Uh, so my in my attempt to try to look at this offseason in some semblance of a positive light because we've been so negative for so long, I'm excited about the possibility of taking someone from this potential maybe second tier at five uh, with the possibility he turns out to be one of the best players in the draft that's not regarded all that highly, especially compared to like maybe what's coming next year. I'm kind of pumped. And the fact that they won't have to make the choice, that maybe the choice will be made for them, I think that's pretty good, too. It's it's so, good in the sense that um, I don't really trust Chuck. Exactly! Like, if he has all the choices at the buffet in front of him, he will, like, he will pick mashed potatoes, no gravy, the gravy's too spicy. Like, so we take some of the, we take some of the options away, and uh, he'll, he'll pick the prime rib. It does. It's the only thing left. <laughs> it does seem like this draft is very much, and this happens over the course of the months leading up to it, when yeah. the scouting departments come together and kind of gain a better understanding where everyone's heads at. It does seem like this draft is is separating itself into a clear top six tier. Like everyone seems to generally agree on the top six players, and the the, the order might be different from team to team, but like it's not. I guess technically, like, Shane Wright and Slavkovsky are kind of, like, the one-two. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't even think there's full-fledged consensus on that. Like, no, like, in, Corey in, Pronman has— Had him uh, dropping a four? He's got him going four in his yeah. uh, mock that came out, like, a couple hours ago. Yeah, he had Shane which, Wright dropping a four. And he's not just being, like, uh, like hot-takey. He has, like, listen, these are the scenarios, and if they play out with Slavkovsky going one— I could see these different things happening. Like, it's all well-reasoned. When I say content for content's sake, that's not maybe necessarily what he's doing. But it just says there isn't a consensus, like, absolute one, and then an order from there. It's kind of, yeah, like a top six. It's kind of seems what's happening right now. Yeah, and the Flyers are at five, so they're right in that realm. Uh, and, you know... Most likely, I bet they have a lot of these guys ranked similarly. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to make a choice, but so a lot of the choices are probably going to be taken away from them. Look, I mean, my dream, and I think it's highly unlikely, my dream pick is Logan Cooley. I don't think he's going to slip to mm. five, but, like, he's the one I want the most because he's probably the most dynamic of them all, and I think his upside's the highest. I'll tell you, I really had my mind set on one of the two defensemen, and it seems like maybe one will be there. But, yeah, uh, I think at least one will be there. You never I'll know. I'll tell you. It's possible. In, one won't be in my prep, which started yesterday, <laughs> uh, I I have been, and we'll get into this a little later in the show. I want to do like the more breaking news stuff uh, at the top, but Cutter, man. Cutter's my guy. Oh, boy. That's I love him. It's a great him. name. It's a fantastic name. Listen, he fits the one thing that we absolutely need, a guy going to Boston College. 
That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's um, the reason. Yeah. Let's go to uh, let's go to this great news I alluded to at the top of the show. The uh, Joel Farabee. He's it's not it's it's not great news. It's not very great. bad. It's actually uh, pretty not, bad. not the best. It's actually I fucking... actually didn't hear this yesterday. So this <laughs> oh. is brand new to me too. Oh boy. Joel Farabee I'm not looking forward to it. underwent uh disc replacement surgery if that sounds familiar to you. It's what Jack Eichel just went through. Uh who else had it? It was uh Tyler Johnson, my guy that I wanted for so long. Tyler Johnson had it shortly after Jack Eichel um He's going to miss some time. He might not be ready for the start of camp, his first camp with uh, uh, maybe a real coach. No, I'm kidding. Elaine Vigneault was fine. Um, What do we, is this like, how bad do you think this is? Okay, so I didn't realize that it was just the surgery that we were talking about. I thought um, someone said something yesterday. I'm really unhappy about it. I got to tell you, really unhappy. Um, However... It was nice to see that the Flyers didn't put up a fight against it like the Sabres did with Jack Eichel. So at least they got their their dude the correct procedure without a fight. But why is it happening at the end of June? So the way that the, the way that Chuck Fletcher described it yesterday, because we had a a session, the media had a session with him and Voorhees, him and Brent Flair yesterday, mostly about the draft. But obviously, we're going to ask him questions like this about someone like Joel Farabee, a very important player on the team. Basically, what they claim, and I I don't think they're lying about this, um, that Farabee was just kind of like starting his lifting and was like doing like some bench press and just felt a tweak in his neck and then started feeling numbness and was like, uh oh. There's a problem here, and then they found out. I think, based on what Fletcher implied, it sounded like they actually were worried it was even more severe at first, and then Mm. they found out that, like, okay, well, he can can have this procedure, and he'll hopefully be ready, you know, within, I think, three to four months is the time. Three to four months is the time they gave. Yeah, so uh, I guess it could have been worse. That said, this stuff is never good. That said, it seemed like Eichel was pretty much fine afterwards, and Farabee's younger than Eichel. Yeah, he did bounce right back. So, like... I'm not terribly concerned over the long term. What is a bummer about this is that, like, this was a big offseason for Farabee in yeah. terms of get not only getting into good shape because he still could certainly use some more weight and some more, some more like, functional strength, but also because everybody's got to get, in, got to get into real good shape to be prepared for Tort's death camp. Um, so... <laughs> I can't... I, <laughs> So everybody's going to get run into the ground there. Now, granted, Farabee might miss camp because, or he might not be a full participant because the time frame, like if if you look at it, like three months from last week would put him like right at kind of the start of camp. And based on what Fletcher said yesterday, which is good, it actually kind of is music to my ears. He essentially said that we're not going to rush him, that the season starts in mid-October, I, he thinks they're only going to play maybe like eight games in October. And if he has to miss all of October, not necessarily because he couldn't play, but because like he might get cleared for contact, but he's just not in shape because yeah. there's only so much workouts you can do when you're recovering from a pinch, like a, a basically a disc replacement in your neck. So he might have to spend September and October like working himself into game shape. And I get the sense that they're cool with that because they don't want to push this guy. But it just, the, the, the bummer of this whole thing is that this is a big year for Joel Farabee. 
a big year for his development. He's obviously playing under a new coach. He's trying to impress him, and he's still young. And now it's going to start with him trying to come back from a not insignificant surgery, and it cuts down the likelihood that this could be a, a big step forward year for him. Like I, I've lowered my expectations for Joel Farabee to be like, hey, if he has another year like last year, that's fine. And realistically, like if the Flyers are going to be anywhere near where the organization seems to hope they'll be next year, they need a couple guys like Joel Farabee to take big steps forward. I don't think that's, I mean, it could still happen. You never know, but I'm not sure that's a reasonable expectation anymore, given what he's going to be going through this summer. And that's, uh, that's kind of what I wanted to lead off with Farabee. Like obviously disc replacement surgery. First of all, what do they replace it with? Cause I picture floppy discs. Um, sometimes titanium, there's a mesh, there's like a cage. It depends on the procedure, but it's most, it's most usually some type of metal. Uh, Charlie last week, and he, oh yeah, Charlie last week, and he just reiterated it there, said he's, uh, you know, really lowered his expectations, uh, of what he believes Joel Farabee's ceiling to be. And that bums me out because man, Joel Farabee coming into last season was really on a pace that was fucking phenomenal, uh, considering a comparable that I've been making for a little while now. I've been comparing David Pasternak and Joel Farabee's numbers to begin their career. Uh, Pasta went 25th overall in 2014. Of course, he made the Bruins in his first year of eligibility after the draft. Farabee made the Flyers after being drafted 14th in his second year. But still, the ages almost match up. It was... It was kind of close the way they started their careers. Uh, Their first 107 games, which was Farabee's first two seasons, it's 10 games into Pasta's third season. Farabee, 28 goals, 31 assists. Pasta, 33 goals, 32 assists. Like, they were right there, and like, leading up to that, it's even closer. Uh, Pasta really broke out in that third season, of course. Farabee's third season injury plagued his veterans quit on him um he's not playing with Marchand and Bergeron and that's kind of what I want to get to like even after 170 games uh Farabee real disappointing third year injuries all the stuff I just laid out but 170 uh games into their career which Farabee is now 45 goals 48 assists pasta big breakout third year 59 goals 64 assists That's, after three years, really a lot of separation. But, I don't want to make excuses for Farabee, but he doesn't have Marchand and Bergeron. And in that third season, 46 of Pasta's 70 points, at least one of those two also recorded a point on those those plays. Pasta had Claude Julien the first two years, and then uh, 55 games into year three at Bruce Cassidy. He's had two coaches in eight years. Farabee is on his third coach before the beginning of his fourth year. Uh, His veterans straight up just quit on Elaine Vigneault last year. He had the injuries. I bring all this up to ask, can we still maybe hold out some hope that he could be that first-line caliber scorer we thought he could be before a pandemic in his rookie season and then all the shit after that that has transpired? I think it's reasonable to hope for it. Um... It's just, I, I mean, I guess it all depends on how he recovers from this freak injury. Like, if he comes back the way Jack Eichel did, which seems to be, like, 100% He seems not to at hindered. least have, yeah. like, a good start for him last year. 
yeah. to get back to being like a superstar, which he was before. Right. So, you know, if he comes back with no residual, you know, hangups as a result of the surgery, then, you know, it's it's possible he does. But I also do think that it depends heavily, as you said, on who he's playing with. Like if he's if he's surrounded by dog shit, like it's like the Couturier thing. Like he was bad at the start of his career because he was playing with bad players. And if Farabee is forced to play with subpar players, he's probably not going to put up very impressive numbers because what is he supposed to do? Remember third line Zach Ronaldo. That's offensive to Matt Reed. What a time. (laughs) Matt Reed could play for a few years, then he got hurt. I mean, Matt Reed was a fine third liner, but like he's not elevating anyone's game. (laughs) No, Sean Couturier did not. What's he up to these these days? Where's Matt Reed? Probably just being a dad somewhere. Bemidji State. Yeah. Just fully <laughs> embracing his full dad read status. Let's try to get him at the draft party. That'd be cool. I mean, I asked for I, I asked for Samuel Moran, so maybe Matt Reed's hanging out. Uh, Bill, to answer your question, and it's funny, I feel like for whatever reason, and I've been, I've, I keep saying this, I'm like the big Joel Farabee fan. He was my guy in that draft. Yeah. I don't see it. I, I think like... You bring up the Pasternak comparison. I watched David Pasternak in his first couple years, and he popped to me, eye test-wise, in a way that Joel Farabee does not. And I like Joel Farabee. I think Joel Farabee's a good player. I could even envision a scenario where he becomes, like, a play-driving first-liner in, like, the Jaden Schwartz before he got hurt all the time, maybe even, like, Justin Williams type of guy. But I don't see him as a top-of-the-lineup talent. I don't think he has that kind of dynamic element to his game. I think he's okay. a real smart player. I think he's good. He puts himself in the right spots. I think there's there's the potential for him to kind of be, like, Couturier on the wing. Like, that's sort of, like, his max ceiling for me. And I guess that's a first-liner because Couturier is certainly a first-liner. I just, I don't see, I don't love the Pasternak comparison because I think it inflates people's expectations of what he could be because I don't see him ever being that good. Like, Pasternak can make plays and he can, like, he can create on his own. I don't know if Joel Farabee is ever going to have the speed and physical ability and creativity to truly create on his own. And I think on some level he realized that. Like, I think back to when we interviewed him when he was still a prospect, and he basically said, I think I'm going to be a better penalty killer in the NHL than I am a power play guy. And I feel like like that's a cool thing to hear, but it's not a cool thing to hear if you're expecting a guy to be a superstar. Like, if you're expecting a guy to be a superstar, you kind of want him to be like, no, I'm going to score 100 points, just what I'm going to do. That's yeah. me. Like, I think he knows that he's not that guy. So I All think right. we should probably stop hoping he's going to be that guy. I just, I know, I, like... Their production was neck and neck for their first two years, basically, up until it really started, you know, until Pasta really broke out. And it just seemed like Farabee didn't have that opportunity because of both injuries and outside influence. Also, like, if we're being real, this is literally the only guy in the organization that we could even hope could be That's, it's really just, like, crossing my, like, you know, Charlie and I used to compare him, maybe he could be the next Simone Gagne. Like good scorer and two way forward. I was thinking about Gagne the other day. I, could see I that. miss him. I, I mean, I love Simone Gagne. He was the best. But Gagne also I had like two forty goal seasons. True, but one of those was next to Peter Forsberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one year he was hurt, he had just as many. He did it without him. Uh, anyway, 
I just wanted to throw that out there with the Farabee stuff because man, it's a bummer to hear he has to have this fairly, I mean, it sounds like it's a safe procedure, uh, but it's still, like, pretty big deal. It's your fucking spine, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's not it's, uh, Yeah, no, that's really scary that he went numb while working out. Like, that's usually a really fucking bad sign. But the fact that a few other NHL players have had it now, apparently it's not as, uh, it's not as taboo, I guess, as Buffalo thought it was, or they just didn't want him to have it, and uh, I don't know. Whatever happened there. I mean, um, it's just a disaster of an organization. Yeah, they're just a yeah. horrible fucking organization. I mean, this is something I tweeted when the Farabee news broke, and it's something I absolutely hold to. It's not that, it's not that I'm terribly concerned about Joel Farabee over the long term, because I'm not. I think he'll get past this. I think he'll... he'll do the workout regimen the way he should, the rehab regimen, I think he'll be fine. I'm not, but but the thing that, that it all goes back to what the Flyers are trying to do. Yeah. And you have the Flyers who are still trying to sell everyone on this idea that we're going to aggressively retool, we're going to be competitive again next year, we're going to turn this thing around. And as we talked about, like, maybe strange things happen, you know, maybe John Tortorella is just going to do a really good job and they're going to turn around, but. The Flyers now will enter will enter the 2022-2023 season with Ryan Ellis a complete question mark. Sean Couturier coming off back surgery. Kevin Hayes coming off three surgeries in 12 months. And now Joel Farabee coming off disc replacement in his neck surgery. Now, oh, I'm not saying that any of those guys necessarily are going to have setbacks and are going to not play. But you're now... You're now hoping that you flip the coin and four times it comes up heads. And even if it's weighted to come up heads, there's still a higher likelihood that like something's going to go wrong with one of those or or multiple of those four guys. And for you to have the bounce back year that you want to have, you pretty much need all four to be back and to be playing at their previous level. And given what they're trying to all come back from, that's a serious, serious question mark. And it's I gotta just tell like, you the... Sorry, okay, guys. No, I was just gonna say the, the Ryan Ellis comments in the presser the other day were uh, not very I, promising. See, I don't th- I think that's more of a case of people like projecting because they already no, think he's not... So let me I, tell I, you, I didn't think they were that bad. Let me tell you what I, keyed, I, what I keyed in on was that the bulk of his rehabilitation is still in front of him. And we're like eight months into this. But we already knew that. Like, but like, why is the bulk the bulk of it still in front of him? So I went back and I looked at what Ryan Ellis himself said about his timeline in May, the first time that we spoke to him a month where he that that to me is kind of where I'm starting this timeline because that's when they figure they they think they figured out what the problem is and they came up with a with a treatment plan. They came up with a strategy that didn't involve surgery. That's what they're going to do. So Ryan Ellis it was. This was in uh like the first day of May. Honestly, in the next month or so, I plan to get more and more active in the gym. Obviously, skating is my job, so I wouldn't doubt a couple weeks later is get on the ice and get moving again. I just think it's a process that needs to unfold. So, and then, and then there's all progressions there, and then ramp it up in July, August, and then get going for camp. So it is June 30th. Now, the entire month, the entire month of working out was May. That's fine. He was hoping a couple weeks later he'd be on the ice and skating. He's not skating. So. At worst, he's about two weeks behind where he hoped he would be in May. But we always kind of knew that this was going to get ramped up in July. 
So I don't think this is like the end of the world, like everyone is saying. I think people were just hoping for something more positive. They didn't get it, and now they're falling back on the sky is falling, Ryan Ellis is never going to play hockey again thing, which maybe. But I don't think that's... I didn't take that to be a foregone conclusion based on what Chuck Fletcher said yesterday, and I got that impression that everybody took that in on Twitter because it went back to being like, Ryan Ellis is never going to play another hockey game again no, no, on all no. my quote tweets. I'm, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that like the likelihood that he's going to be playing hockey at the start of the season to me seems like an impossibility. I like don't I, it's an impossibility, but it's it's, it's certainly. I think a it's going to be shocking if he's playing on opening night. So and that's that's the problem. Like it, it it ties into everything that you said. Like, how are we? I don't know. Like maybe it's good because it's going to like allow all of us to keep our expectations extremely tempered no matter what Chuck Fletcher is able to do in this offseason because you know, if three of those guys can't really play to start the season, it's uh, you know, it's not going to no. go very well. It's like, yeah, if if a bunch of things go real right, this team could be definitely like if they have the good offseason, if some guys come back, like one of those things that was going to go right was like yeah, Joel Farabee scores 30 goals. This team could, like, definitely exceed expectations. Now that's not going to happen. Ryan Ellis being ready for the start of this season. Let me just lay out how this is going to go. So the plan is to ramp up in July. The plan includes not having surgery and rehabbing. I'm going to say August 3rd is where it, when he goes under the knife. Ooh. Like, he's going to ramp it up in July, and then he's going to realize this doesn't work, and then we're going to have some surgery on our hands. Like, oh that's gosh. where this is going. It's very obvious that's where this is going. It it, I, it couldn't be, be more clear to me. Annoying. I think annoying is the right word. It will be um, validating for me. I question, is Ryan Ellis the best player who's been under contract with the Philadelphia Flyers and has not played a game? Ah, uh, he has. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm he sorry. Played he has four. Not played four games. Four games. Has not played Five more points. than ten games. He led the league in points per game last year. That's <laughs> true. I actually baby. think he might have got surpassed. Look, I don't look, know. Let me put it this true. way. I, I completely understand why people are skeptical of the Ryan Ellis thing. I get it. I'm just saying that I didn't take Fletcher's comments. I took Fletcher's comments to basically be like, you know, Right now, he hasn't had a setback, but he's still got a long way to go. To me, the the, the big thing that's going to tell me where they're actually at in terms of Ryan Ellis, and I've said this, I said this on a couple other podcasts I went on, like if the Flyers start getting linked in trade rumors or free agency rumors to some of the like bigger name right-handed shooting defensemen out there, then you know they're worried. Like if, 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 if like Frank Saravalli throws out there that like, Flyers, you know, had a conversation with Chris Letang's agent. It's like, oh yeah, Ryan Ellis. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, like we're 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 done. Oh no. It's over. Oh my god, I want that so bad now. Bill, no, <laughs> no, fuck it. <laughs> Chaos yes. off season. Let's I'm get just another saying. guy at the tail end of his. Career. Because I I'd like Not to Paul Coffee, baby. I'd like to think <laughs> that they realize that. I mean, unless they just are cool with being bad, which. As we've said, that's fine. Like, you know, sure, be cool with being bad and get another outcome. top prospect I'll tell next you. year. I'll tell Stock you. Stock up the assets. But, like, if they're, if they're not cool with being bad, they can't go into next season with, like, no right-handed shooting defensemen. Because <laughs> we've so. seen what happens. Like, 
Bristol-Linen isn't a top-pair defenseman. They don't even have a third-pair defenseman right-handed shooting mm. anymore because they traded him away with Justin Braun. So, like, who would play mm. with Provorov? Are we going to try to force Cam York to play the right side? Because he don't like that. Let's do it. Boy. Nah, man, Sanheim can play the right. He can do it. All right. He's a top-pair defenseman. Um, I'll tell you, man, the idea of them being okay with being bad, I can see them, like, all these things that look like maybe they're just not going to work out for the Flyers. I can see them really taking a lot of shots and then being like, ah, shucks, well, we tried to aggressively retool. Like, maybe they're going to rebuild without saying it. Like, maybe they're going to try to trick us. And it's like, no, we know we're bad. Like so maybe there like, are lots. This is the the twenty what the twenty twelve off season all over again, where they took big shots on everyone and then ended up with Bruno so, Gervais. So we've you know we've kind of stipulated that towards. the the marketing department for the team not really knocking it out of the park. So maybe they just thought like it would actually be bad to say out loud that we're going to rebuild. Like we don't want to say out loud that we're going to be bad next year, but we're going to be bad next year. So we'll just tell them that we're going to try to retool. Maybe this in their hearts, they know what we're in for next season, but they just don't want to say it out loud. No, the thing that is the not thing, the case. shut up, Charlie, let me live. The thing saying, stopping me from fact, that's not the case. The thing stopping me from coming to that conclusion is in no way would you hire Tortorella and in no way would Tortorella take that job. I know. Like the, if the, the internal discussion was like Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, we're going to retool. Like, they think they can be good. No, they do. From what I've heard, and this is what I've heard from people within the organization, is that they, part the reason why they're not rebuilding is because they don't think they could really do it. Yeah. And a lot and a lot of that is because they know they can't trade Ellis's contract, they can't trade mm-hmm. Hayes's contract, they've got Couturier signed. And it's like, well, like if we tried to rebuild, it would be a half ass rebuild anyway, so we might as well try to be good. And so we like, just did one of those. <laughs> but like has every team that has rebuilt over the last decade like actually traded every single one of their big contracts and actually like only played kids. Like I feel like that's like a a made up thing that people say that you have to do when you're doing a rebuild. And like, why couldn't we rebuild with Kevin Hayes on the team? I agree with I, that, especially with Kevin if Kevin Hayes, Hayes is yes. no longer good Kevin Hayes anymore. Post you know right. all these like, core muscle surgeries, which is it, why I'm saying the best thing be the, the 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 best thing for the Flyers, which I've been saying basically since last season fell apart is the accidental tank. That's the best thing where like you think you're, you're being good, but you're actually bad. And then you get these good players because you tried to be good and just failed miserably at it. Which Chuck did last summer. So, you know, with with like just Kevin Hayes and Cam Atkinson, I think they could easily bottom out. If Sean Couturier comes back and is some semblance of his old self, I think you are, exactly what you were with Giroux and Voracek. Like, eh, I don't think Couture is that. that good. No, I just mean, like, no. with everything else that they have, I think, like, your top six is then what it was then. Maybe. Basically. Maybe. I mean, Giroux and, Vor- and Voracek, like, Giroux in his peak is better, was better than Couture at his yeah. peak. Yeah, yeah. And... No one on this team is as good as Voracek was at his peak. No. I just, like... They do have I a better they, defense, I think, now than they did back then, because, like, some of the guys can actually skate. Be fucking hard not to. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
R.I.P. Uh, Nick Grossman. Like, I just think they'd basically be exactly that if those guys were to come back and be some semblance of themselves. But, like, if you could move a Couturier and Hayes, no one wants him, yeah, I think you could easily be a fucking horrible team with Kevin Hayes. Like, that wouldn't... I don't think he alone is stopping you. No. I think the combination no, of those two at the top of your lineup would make you mediocre. Personally. Also, you know, God forbid Carter Hart has a good year, then we're totally yeah, fine. Yeah, they also have like a goaltender now. Yeah. Um, I just... Who do you expect to see first, Ryan Ellis or Joel Farabee? Farabee. Ooh, that's... I mean, I feel like the safe money is probably on Farabee because there's just fewer questions there. How can that... The dude just had fucking spine surgery and we don't <laughs> know, even right? know what's wrong with Ryan Ellis and it's like, oh yeah, the guy with the bad neck. Because it's been... It's been a whole ass year, it's been a year with this dude, and he's still not ready to even skate on he's the ice. He's not yet on ice. That's like concerning. it's a problem. And I hadn't really thought about the idea that eventually we're just going to be like, ah, fuck it, you need surgery. But now that you've said it, like it does feel Come like on. where where we're going. Come on, we've I read just, this not, book and before, and it's not going to be till like August. So that means he'll be out yeah. until like at least December. I mean, here's the here's the thing though, like. The way that this injury has been described, I don't even know if surgery would work. Like they, they keep call they keep calling it multi-layered. And when somebody pushed off. Flesher on the idea yesterday of multi-layered, he basically was like, "It's everything." I don't know how you have a surgery to fix what everything. What the fuck did he so, do? Did this guy <laughs> what like? Did he, do? did he like fucking like jump out of a plane and his parachute I didn't don't fucking understand like? What happened? How could he have injured himself this badly in four games? Like, what the fuck happened? Oh, this is clearly a chronic issue that they just overlooked. I'm not saying they didn't do a physical. I'm saying they went, nah, he'll be alright. I mean, maybe they did a physical, but the medical staff fucking sucks, so they probably just missed it if it yeah, was there before. I don't know who's to say what. I, I, like, I'm, I'm stunned that we're still dealing. God like, there's, stunned. there's guys, there's guys who like got boarded in the Stanley Cup finals who are going to play before, like just played the toughest 120 games of their fucking life and they're going to be ready to go and Ryan Ellis it's like yeah everything's wrong <laughs> <laughs> is it Sorry, yeah it's a so shoulder it's a shoulder ankle hip injury like <laughs> what it's a lower body, upper body injury. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the full yeah, body. The, it's, this it's, was this was Fletcher's direct quote. Was the question was what is Ryan dealing with? I'm referring to his multi layer injury. It's multi layered. It's almost everything that's in the middle of the body. Oh, no, seems the fine. middle of the body. The whole the whole middle. That's fine. <laughs> like from so knees to nipples. Are we talking? I, I'm trying to picture this. Are we talking no head, <laughs> torso? I, th I think we're saying. I think we're saying like everything. Down. Everything below like the pecs, I think is yeah. is like and and like nipples a, and to balls. Oh, nipples to knees. I'm is, thinking. Yes. Yeah. Nipple, that's nipples that's to what knees. we're doing. Yeah, okay. I think nipple, that's fair. Nipples to knees. Nipple, nipples to balls. Nipples to balls. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Nipples okay. to balls. Everything no. in between there is broken. We know for a everything. fact. <laughs> we know for a fact. If it was a displaced pubic plate, they'd tell us. The only yeah, injury in the history. 
Although that the was only history, color. the only injury in the history of the sport that's been disclosed was disp- displaced pubic blades. Um, no, the, the Hextall, the Hextall injury <laughs> philosophy is we will not tell you shit unless you don't want to hear it. Unless it's going to literally turn your stomach. Oh, you want to know what happened to Mark Strait? Well, let me tell you what happened to Mark Strait. His dick fell off. Now what? Dick uh, off. They can sew it back Welcome, on. Welcome, Shane Goss Despair. <laughs> they can sew it back on, luckily. Uh, all right, we got to take a break because I want to get oh, into some draft stuff. Kelly learned a lot from our listeners. I read a bunch of shit. Charlie knows things. Steph knows things. There was an SB Nation mock draft. There was a Pronman mock draft. We're gonna we're gonna get into some shit. I asked some mailbag questions. It's gonna be a little bit of a longer show, but we got to get Charlie out for his haircut. So let's take a break here, and then we'll be back on the other side. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting. Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. All right, welcome back, fam. Uh, the draft and draft party, both Thursday. Steph, tell me about that draft party again. It's going to be at Philly Live Casino. Uh, the sports and social bar inside that starts at 6 p.m. Get there at 6 p.m. Trivia giveaways. going to have to it. Trivia, prizes, giveaways, all the fun stuff. I'm off work all next week. I'll be coming up from Sea Isle for it. I'll be nice and tanned. It's going to be great. It's going to be a good time. That sounds rude to me personally. So to start this. You're showing off your tan? To start this off, I did a quick history. Of the uh, fifth overall pick. I went back 18 years to start with the OV draft. Because that seems like modern NHL, right? Like 2004 draft uh, from there on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, more recently, like say since like 2014, it really looks like uh, five is the place you miss the most in, <laughs> at the top of the draft. Wouldn't that there's just some, be? There's some rough away. ones here. Uh, like, there's some fine picks. Like, I love Elias Lindholm. That's an awesome pick. Uh, but, like, 2018, Barrett Hayton. Uh, and then, like, Phillips. That Zedini was a bad Quinn. pick from the yeah. start. I remember Ooh. I remember that pick blew me away. Barrett Hayton, for whatever reason that year, became, like, the hype guy that everyone wanted. And I was like, Cutter. I watched this guy play next to Morgan Frost. And Morgan Frost looked significantly better. <laughs> And we know how that turned out. Yeah, like I, I, Zadina I blown, and Hughes went next. Blown away that people love Barrett Hayden as much as they did. That was uh, wild to me. Alex Turcott, who's a, a, a nice... He's fine. He's fine. But then, like, Moritz Sider went six. Dylan Cousins, seven. Trevor Zegras, nine. Um, 
2020, Jake Sanderson, it's only been a couple years, you have no idea, but he's one of only two guys in the top 13 that haven't played in the NHL yet. I think prospect I people are still really high on him. Though. Yeah. Like people yeah. who, so who it, follow, it could, they, they think just, he's going to be real good. Yeah, it's too it's too short notice to know, but when you look at their games played and there's only two empty spaces and he's one of them, it's like, oh, okay. Uh, the Michael Dow Cole pick. Um, that was bad. Yeah, that's a tough one in Jake 2014. Jake was bad, too. Yeah. Yeah, for Tannen. Did, did, didn't he just get accused of sexual assault? Like oh, he did wasn't he? a good he wasn't a good player and now he's like a bad person too. Oh cool. Cool. Uh, Jake for Tannen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's shit. Jake for Tannen's real bad. We don't talk about him. He is like canceled. Noah Hannafin, a fine pick, but Wierenski eight, Ranton in ten. It's you could have done a little better, but Charlie always says it's not about Getting the absolute, like, if somebody behind you got a better pick, you didn't fail. Noah Hannafin's fine, but there were better players, uh, turns out. 2016, this is a rough one. Uh, I don't even know this guy's name. I'm not going to try. I'll, I, I don't know. Oh, Julie Evie, yeah. Yeah, he's he's nothing. He was a yeah. total bust. Yeah, total bust for Vancouver. They made up for it the following year with Elias Patterson. Uh, he leads the draft class by 19 goals. Um mm. We don't talk about that draft, though. 2017, quite a year. But five is, um, it's my excitement that I expressed at the top <laughs> of the show when I put together, like, because I wrote that first, you, you know how I do the outline, I do my, like, hot take thing, and then I do the rest of the subjects. I was excited about five, and then I saw draft history at five, I was like, ooh, this is like the spot where people miss the most. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, I mean, I don't think that actually fan. matters. That's I know it doesn't. It's matter. funny, but it doesn't yeah, it's, actually. It's not like that. What happened before has nothing to do with what the Flyers are going to do. But it's just like, man, we need all the luck in the world. Well, because here's the thing: like, you, the good part about this is if you look at you, your point is that look at all the players that got taken after that became really good. Well. That just shows you that there's still really good players available yeah. at five. You yeah, just have yeah, to pick yeah, yeah. the right one. Pick well, the and right I one. like I go back to 2017 where it was like Patrick, and then he sure shot up boards, and it was like that's the one and two. That's the way it is. That's what everyone said. If you you can go back and have your revisionist history, and Bob Clark can say uh, he wanted Kale McCarr. What the fuck? No, nobody thought that. It's not the GM's job to do the consensus thing. I could do that. It's the GM's job to be right. So I'm not absolving Ron Hextall. But, like, that's the way that draft was thought of by pretty much everybody. We did a lot of research going into it because we had the second fucking pick. Um, mm -hmm. And then we know how it turned out. Three, four, five are stars. Nico is nice. Patrick's a bust. Everyone was See, wrong. That's what makes me nervous. That's what makes me nervous when you say at number five, the Flyers have the decision taken out of their hands because that's what we said at number two as well. Yeah, it worked out really well. It I wanted Nico. Really well. Personally, so, I so wanted Nico. I guess, I guess my thought is, or my question is, do other teams trust their, their scouts? Like, do fans of other teams trust their scouts in a way that we just don't with the Flyers? I mean, I, mean, I would I'm imagine sure. a team like Tampa. Like, I'm yeah, sure like, fans of the yeah. Tampa Bay Lightning really trust their Tampa scouts. Tampa and Colorado, I'm sure yeah. do. Yeah. Like, the teams that draft well, they yeah. probably all trust their scouts. Yeah, Toronto seems to have pretty good scouts. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think I it's a mixed bag. Many, I wonder how many teams have had the same scouts for 20 years. I mean, the Flyers don't have the same scouts. They definitely. The same. They, I mean, every 
the Flyers have had a fair amount of scouting turnover, to be right. honest with you. They, they legitimately That answers have. my question. I mean, they lost a decent amount. They lost Pryor when Hextall hired Pryor's dad. And Pryor probably had the most, like, I'm talking Nick Pryor, Chris Pryor's son. Nick Pryor probably had the most pull out of anybody, by the end at least, like by the end of Hextall's tenure, um, out of anybody in that scouting department. I mean, he was very, very trusted by it. Is it because he was good or because his dad worked? There? I think he was he was good. He was young. He brought a fresh perspective. And yeah, I'm sure it didn't hurt that Chris Pryor was his dad. Yeah, right. Now I'm oh, going to guess Flyers. that. But the Flyers wanted to keep him. Like when I, I, if I, if I remember correctly, I believe I was told this by somebody that when, when Pittsburgh poached Nick Pryor, because he stayed on for another year after, um, you know, after Hextall was let go. Um, and then obviously Hextall hired Chris Pryor, and then Nick stayed with the Flyers. And when the Pitt, when the Penguins poached him, the Flyers like offered him a promotion to stay. Like they wanted to keep him. It wasn't like you can go. It was like obviously we're not going to hold you, but we will give you more responsibilities if you stay because we really think you're a good like like judge of talent. So, but yeah, there's been scouting turnover. Absolutely, there still are old people that are have been there for a long time. Absolutely, like Mark Gregg is still there. Yeah, you remember him as a Mark player. Greg. Sure do. But, I mean, there's also new scouts as well. All right. So is it a scouting problem for us? Like, this is this is what I'm trying to get to the core of. Is it a scouting problem or is it a development problem? I think it's both. Or, oh, sorry. It's both. Is it both? It's both. Yeah. I think it's both. I think it's very clearly both because I don't think that there's any way that prospect experts from well outside this organization – all said that we had a fucking sick prospect pool. Like, that was like a consensus amongst people outside of the Flyers' sphere. Like, and none of them panned out? Like, I, none I mean, of them are very good? I'm, I'm of the opinion that the Flyers' prospect pool last season looked worse than it actually was because so many guys who were trending in a great direction got injured. Like, I think yeah. the prospect yeah. pool would have looked a lot better. Like, everybody went like, everybody, they said our prospects were great, and they fucking suck. Like, well, no. I mean, Wade Allison was hurt. Tanner Lazinski was hurt. Zade Wisdom got hurt. Tyson Forrester got hurt. Noah Cates was Which? still in college. Ronnie Adder was still in college. Like, there were a lot of guys that, like, looked like they were trending in the right direction, but just took more time than than we would have hoped because they stayed in college longer, or they all got injured at the same time. Which gets back to, like, the question of, like, Okay, is it actually just some kind of hex put on us by a witch that leads to everyone <laughs> in the organization getting injured in a single season? Or is there something fundamentally wrong with how they're doing their training? Or Don't how call doing- Kate Smith a witch. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? Get that statue out, man. It's the only thing that's going to save us. Um, that yeah, was I- an excellent joke. It, it took me so by surprise oh. that I didn't even get to laugh. Like, Sorry. thank you for that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. But yeah, it, it just, sometimes I do think that the development portion, it, it's, it's like a 75-25, like a 25% scouting problem, 75% development, and not only just development, but like conditioning as well. Because I just don't buy that it's just bad luck that so many of these elite athletes get injured in the same season in like catastrophic ways yeah and not not like a broken foot from it blocking a shot like injuries to muscles inside of their bodies that presumably should be conditioned to take the kind of abuse that they get on the ice and not tear 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Maybe. Doesn't happen to other teams. I know, uh, Charlie. I know. It's possible. It's certainly, and I've certainly been, um, you know, big critical of the, particularly the medical staff when they rush guys back. That to me, yeah, I think yeah. is very clearly an organizational philosophy and a flaw in terms of the way that they are viewing injury recovery. Now, the prospect injuries, like, I don't know. It, that strikes me as a little bit more fluky, but who the hell knows? I mean, does the farm system generally follow the same kind of training protocols as the big team? Like, when the Phantoms were here, like, it makes sense to me that they would all be doing exactly the same things. I don't know if with the Phantoms all the way up there, if they are necessarily following the same kind of, like, organizationally dictated protocols, or if they're just developing their own training programs with the staff that they have up up in Allentown. It's a little bit of both. Okay. Um, I mean, the, the Allentown, obviously, like, you know, the Flyers are going to have a big impact on the way they do business. But also, like, it's an affiliate, so they kind of do also hire their own people, too. Right, right. Like, the Flyers don't own the Right, no, the not but those players yeah. get paid by the Flyers, and so... Because well, they get loaned. They get loaned yes. to the Phantoms. That's why exactly. it's so, they say they were loaned. Yeah. Spectacor owns the Phantoms, right? No. I don't think they're owned by the, the Flyers or, like, the, the organization at all anymore. Oh, fascinating. Charlie, are you looking it up? I'm going to take a look. They are not owned by... They are, they are owned by the Brooks Group, Robert and Jim Brooks. So they are a, oh, they, they are a pure affiliate. Yeah, they're totally outside of the Flyers organization now. As far I didn't as know that at goes. all. That's yeah. fascinating. I thought yeah. I I, uh, I kind of thought that happened when they moved initially. Yeah. Like once they were out of Philly, they were no longer part of. The, oh, okay. The yeah, that makes sense. Um, if I see Joel Faraby on the ice, give him a pat on the back. No. Not too hard though. Definitely and like lower back, hard. probably not not up high. Like if they rush him back, if they rush him back from neck surgery. Chuck is going to catch these hands. And it's not, uh, like, I don't, my issue isn't that they rush the players back. It's that they let the players make the decision for themselves. Yes, when we the know, are always going to come back. When we know the culture is to rush back. They're and like dumb. I, I think while it was awesome that Giroux and Voracek were as tough as they were, um, they set a standard in this organization. I think Provorov has carried that. I think Wayne Simmons was a part of it. Like, those guys, it's not like they never got hurt. They were hurt. They just fucking played. And that's hockey. And if you're going to win a cup, you're going to have to play hurt. It's just like, if you're injured, take the extra week. Well, that's the thing. Like, the, the thing that the, where the Flyers fuck it up. And like, take, the, take it out of their hands. Yes, like, <sighs> if you're in the cup final and you're Val Nachushkin, yeah, you're going to play on your broken foot. But if it's, like, fucking December, like, don't play on your broken foot. Like, take the time to get better so that if you do make it to the playoffs, you're 100% ready to go. Like, there needs to be, like, you know, some logical thought to the process, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of it. All right, I want to get into some of the mocks uh, that have been going around. I want to start with ours, the SB Nation mock draft, uh, because it's fucking ours. Um... They wouldn't let me trade for Jacob Trigrin. They would not let Jacob. The more Je that we have would... this conversation on this podcast, the more I'm convinced it was a good move. They would not let Steph trade the fifth pick. 
Uh, so the the top five went as follows. Montreal took Shane Oh, Wright. wait, hold on. So I was going to trade the fifth pick for Arizona's second first round pick. And then Jacob Chikrin and Morgan Frost. Oh, my players. God. Why would they do that? <laughs> Listen. Listen. What the fuck do they with Morgan Frost? I don't know. Randy saw some knife. He was the disposable player that I just threw in instead of yeah. Ivan Provorov. All right, let, let's actually talk about the players that could be drafted yeah. by the Flyers. So, <laughs> at one, Montreal and the SB Nation mock takes Shane Wright. Uh, I think that's what, you know, that's what is the uh, most expected pick. Uh, I don't know this so, so anymore. Slavkovsky moved up. Slavkovsky has a lot of helium right now. We definitely think it's, okay. Uh, at two, Jersey takes Luke, Logan Cooley. At three, Slavkovsky goes to Arizona. At four, Which is wild. There's no way he's there's there there's no way Slavkovsky. There's no way he gets past two, right? No, no, zero percent chance. Not a chance. Uh, at where uh, three, Arizona, Slavkovsky. Four, Seattle, Simone Nemich. And then at five, the Flyers pick David Yurichek, the defenseman from the Czech Republic. This is one of the picks. There's basically three guys that I've seen mostly mocked to the Flyers. Yes. It's the two defensemen and Cutter Gauthier. And Would, Cutter like, Gauthier. does everyone agree? Gauthier, yes. Gauthier. Yeah. I, I, was, I was sort of hinting at this at the beginning of the show. It, it seems like the top six has kind of separated itself, where it's Wright, Slavkovsky, Cooley, Nemec, Juracek, and, uh, and then Gauthier. And it seems like the most likely scenario is that Right, Slavkovsky and Cooley are going one, two, three in some order. And mm-hmm. then, you know, what Seattle does will determine who's available for the Flyers. Now, I have heard some rumors. I've read some things that, like, Arizona could potentially go off board Ooh. and pick Gautier because he's from... He's Scottsdale. from Scottsdale. Yes, oh. that is something... That's, oh, they're bringing him home. Yeah, they want. They don't want to miss out on... Austin Matthews. Yeah, yeah they don't want to miss out on Austin Matthews. Uh... It, 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 for them especially, it would make it some makes kind sense. of sense. It would make sense. Yeah, like they desperately it, need marketing, and yeah, they, yes, literally fucking anything for them. If they can sell eight jerseys, it probably is worth it. Um, depend, especially considering it doesn't seem as if outside of Slavkovsky, who's just shooting up boards, and like Wright, who's kind of that guy. Uh, he was pegged at number one. I, it just doesn't seem like there's much separation anywhere. Like, in the in the Pronman mock, which I'll also now... Like, Montreal has Slavkovsky, and then he has Jersey taking Yerichek at two, Cooley at three, and Seattle fall... Uh, right falling to Seattle at four. And, like, read it. Subscribe to The Athletic. I, I'm not going to lay out his whole case for you. But it's just, like, here are some... Here's, like, a scenario that could play out. I don't even know if it's like what Pronman thinks is definitely going to happen, but it's a very interesting scenario, and he lays it out for you. And then at five, the Flyers, Pronman has uh, Cutter Gauthier going to Philly. To Philly. So it's kind of the two defensemen and Cutter. Yeah. That's what we're looking at here. I like all of them. That, that's that's kind of why, I mean, I'm not that concerned about this draft because I like all three players. Gautier is the one that I like the least out of the three. But the thing with Gautier and the reason why I wouldn't have a problem with them taking him is that you you watch him and you can see the upside. Like, you can see why why teams watch him and they're like, holy shit, if this guy hits, we got a six foot three center. I was going to say, he's large. A six foot three center who can skate, who scores a lot of goals. And who, like, he's not, like, gonna, like, kill people out there, but he's not a finesse player. 
And you can see why teams look at him and they're like, man, if he hits, we got ourselves like a power forward-ish center who could score 40 goals a year. And you know what? Like, I wouldn't have a problem if the Flyers, like, the thing I've been screaming about for a year, for multiple years, is that the Flyers don't take big enough swings in the draft. They go with the safe guy. And Gauthier is a big swing. I would, he wouldn't be my pick. Because I worry he's not going to be a center. That's honestly my big thing. I worry that's, he's not a center. The, and that's, the, the, the industry seems to think he is right now. I worry he's not. I don't know if he has the hockey IQ to be a center, but he just might have be so physically gifted that he can pull it off anyway. And I would respect the big swing. I would respect the, the big swing because they, they need star players, and I think yes. he does have star potential. The so, uh, Go ahead, Kelly. I was just going to say that my... My only problem with the pick, and this is probably stupid, is that I think the reason they would be picking him is that he's big. I think it's it's that just but as he, much as they think he could be a center. He they can really also, need centers. But also, but the, six the bigness. Three, I heard you. I mean, the thing is, your check is really big too. Yeah, that's true. And it's not like he's lumbering. Like I don't think. No, he can skate. Like, big, yes. And if that's the reason they pick him, if they do the right thing for the wrong reason, all right, they still still end up. But, like, no, I I understand because we know they picked Samuel Moran because he's as big as a fucking oak tree. And it's like, you know, maybe that's not the reason you should pick somebody. But he can skate. He has a high-end shot. He can put the puck in the back of the net. Positionally, uh, he played primarily wing with the U.S. development program, but he has played full games at center, and he is projecting to play center at Boston College. Yes. I joked, but um, I do kind of want a Boston College guy. <laughs> I just like, I, lo- I don't know. Culture. We're building something here. It, it might be fucking stupid, but it's something. Boston South. Yeah, we're, we're just doing it, I guess. Uh, I, yeah, I think... Another reason. Like, I think you're a check... Home. Juracek is the safest pick while also still having high upside. Like I I see I see a decent amount. I don't think he's as good of a skater, but I see some Marit Sider in Juracek's game. And I also think with Juracek, there's an element with him where the way he plays, like we've talked about the fact the Flyers struggle to develop talent, and they have recently. Juracek he plays a way that I kind of think it's hard to screw up because mm. it's not like it's it's very traditionally good NHL defenseman. Like he hits people, he play he, he he's he's defensively sound, he has the big shot from the point. Like he's just like the traditionally good right-handed shooting defenseman who is going to do the stuff that like I don't think it would be hard for you to really like try to like change him because he all the things he does are the things that development coaches and coaches like in defensemen anyway. Whereas like like Nemesh, like he's kind of a rover and he's fun. He's a fun defenseman. And and I want to talk about him. And one of the things that does give me hope that they wouldn't screw him up is that I do like the fact that the Flyers have tort the Flyers have torts. And Torts did for all of his like, oh, you know, Torts is defense first. Like he did let Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones rove around the ice because he's like, you guys are really talented. As long as you do like the things I'm telling you to do system wise, like you can be rovers. So I like that potential fit. 
But I do worry a little bit that, like, they might try to change him. And that concerns mm. I like the talent. I worry that he might be a little bit... He might be a little bit too forward-thinking stylistically of a player for the Flyers. Given so depressing. What they've done. <laughs> so no, and, like, Jesus to that Christ. point... To that point, like, Pronman, his pro comp for Yerichek is Alex Petrangelo. The Hockey News, uh, Yerichek said Mark Andr- uh, Mark Edward Vlasic. And then for Nemich, Pronman says Mackenzie Wieger. Hockey News, uh, where'd it go? Miro Heiskinen. He's a better skater than Wieger. Definitely so, a better skater. So, uh, it, yeah. It's just, like, obvious difference in what those guys project to be. Like, uh, Wieger and Heiskinen versus... Petrangelo and Vlasic, like, those are different guys. And also, like, with, like, Juracek played in the Czech Republic, the, the Czech Republic's league, whereas Nemesh played in the Slovakian league. The Czech Republic league is better. Yeah. So the fact that they both were good in their leagues, but, like, one played in a better league, that does add a little bit more certainty. Like, there's a reason why, if you look at the, the statistical models that are just purely basing their rankings off of, like, stat translation factors and things like that. Like, Juracek grades out better than Nemesh because he's played in a better league. That's so, basically the reason. I, when I asked about this on Twitter, I got a lot of information from our outstanding listeners. And one guy that I had never heard of before, but apparently he's a thing, Byron Bader, um, has some website called Hockey Prospecting. Yeah, 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 I know him. Um, I know him, I know of him. He he had a whole tweet thread about Nemich and the fact that he is apparently like by a very large margin the best scoring European European teenager that we've seen in like a very long time. Really? Mm-hmm. Like he said, um he outproduced Hedman in his draft year, and he outproduced Hedman in his pre-draft year pretty significantly. Um one of the best producing teenage pro Euro D men we've ever seen. And I I wasn't, like, super pumped about the idea of taking a defenseman because in my mind that's more boring than taking a forward, which is, like, you know, not a real thing. But in my head, that's, that's how it goes. Um, but after, like, learning more about Nemich from people on Twitter, I kind of, like, I kind of want him. But as Charlie said, we'll probably get him and ruin him, which is what I think we would have done to Kale McCarr. <laughs> like, I he, mean, it's, Kale McCarr it's stepped just, it, off the ice in college and was a stud. As I know, I, but as the I Flyers said, would have ruined him. <laughs> I, as, as I said, like I, I like both, like all three of these guys. I would be fine with any of them, really, as the pick. But there is that concern with with Nemesh for me, where it's like, eh, you know, who do you think? Which of the two defensemen is most likely to be there? I feel like you know, it. it I really it seems don't like know. Nemesh has been dropping. It does as far seem as like the mocks that. go. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it seems like. Yeah, it does seem like Nemec is the one that doesn't maybe have as much momentum, mostly because the thing with Juracek was that he had the knee injury and he was out for a while, but then he came back and he played in uh, in the under-20s. So I think that like got him back going up again because it was like, oh, he's healthy and he looked fine. Um, whereas you know, Nemec played, you know, he, he didn't have a knee injury, which is going to be a concern for anybody. But it looks like Juracek is back to being fine. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, I could see it. I, I could see any of those guys. It seems like most of the mocks have Nemec going to Seattle, which kind of mm-hmm. makes sense because, like, he's, you know, you know, he's 
more exciting, you know, more flashy, and Seattle, presumably, I mean, maybe they did this in show in the expansion draft, but, like, the people they have hired, you would think, would be more excited about that sort of thing, um, other than Dave Haxall, who would hate it. <laughs> I just, um, I think Seattle just was, like, we're trying to be bad. Like, that, uh, oh, they, if that like was what that. they were trying, they did a darn good job. No, like, sure it, it was, it was pretty clear they just didn't want anyone's mistake contracts, they didn't want anything that would buoy them down, and they'll just make their own mis- like. I say that jokingly, but, like, we'll make our own mistakes, we'll have all the cap space and assets in the world, and we'll get to start completely fresh. It's a way different, you know, philosophy than Vegas had, but I think Seattle, what they did was very purposeful. More a long-term. Yeah, a a more long-term team-building look. Seattle kind of caught lightning in a bottle, a whole bunch of general managers clearly had no fucking idea what they were doing. Um... (laughs) Uh, to, to help them out along the way uh but that's neither here nor there we're here to talk about the flyers draft prospects here picking at number five next thursday be at our draft party won't you um you know what's it fun it's at 6 p.m it's our fifth annual draft party and the flyers are picking at five. Oh, hey oh five for five cool isn't that five dollar footlongs for everybody <laughs> no there will not be subway there no subways. No. There will not be subway there, regrettably. But there is a Phillies game that afternoon. And I think Ooh. that the casino in general might have, like, post-game specials for Phillies games. So, like, maybe we check that out, too. All right. All right. This seems like it could be At fun. our party, which is at 6 p.m. at Sports and Social inside Philly Live Casino. All right. I think we're going to do a um another... Oh, wow, it's 12.30 already? Yeah. We're going to do a pre-draft show, because I have Mm -hmm. mailbag questions. Uh, Just let me get to a couple of the... (sighs) We can get to these next time. Yeah. Should we wrap it up? We'll do another show before the draft. All right. Uh, Just real fast, then. Um, If if we were in Pittsburgh's position, which is LOL, (laughs) would we want to be honoring the legacy and just keeping Malkin and Latang around, because fuck it? Or would we be like, no, let's 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 start over. Like it's time, it's time to move on. Like, how would we want to handle that if you we were them? Keep them? I think if right? we you were them, keep. we would be wanting to keep them. You got to keep them. I, to me, yeah. like, you got to. And, and I understand the thing of like, well, you know, you there's going to be pain at the end. There will be. As long as Sidney Crosby is still Sidney Crosby, you got to keep going for it. And that's like, and to they've me, won their cups. It's not like they're in the position of the Flyers where we just want to light no, every that's, dude on fire. They've won their cups. They've got to keep them. I'm looking at it like if we were Chicago, if we were Pittsburgh, would we just be like, let's keep these guys around forever because why wouldn't we? Like, I do think while while Malkin and Latang are awesome, like as long as you keep Crosby around, yeah. you still have that. Like, there's those guys are great and all, but like, it's you not keep like... band together. You gotta. <sighs> I don't know. You gotta. They le- they moved on from Flurry. Like it's not like they Listen, haven't done if, that. If they if they don't re-sign those two guys, I think Ron Hextall is out of a job. I, no, I don't think that's fun. necessarily true. Uh, but I do think my thing is that if you don't re-sign those guys, I just don't know how you are a viable cup threat next. No, year. you're not. I mean, they're not. I mean, unless you replace them with like. Like, I don't know. I mean, who are you going to get? Kadri and Goudreau? Do not even put it out into the universe. Don't say any names. Don't put it into the universe. Johnny would never do that to us. 
I mean, you know, they would probably world. like go out and sign like Vincent Trocheck, who's from Pittsburgh, and like he's fine, but he's not Evgeny Malkin. Mm. All right, uh, we will get to. Are you chewing gum while recording a podcast? No comment. Leave Charlie alone. <laughs> Are you pleading the fifth? I will plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. Uh, we have Charlie pleading the fifth, Kelly's Antifa. Let's wrap it up there. Uh, we're going to do another show at some point uh, before the draft. But that's it for this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. And if you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. And boom, content, content, content. Uh, you know, it's not the same amount as during the season. All right, let's get that out of the way. But you're still getting quite a bit of stuff considering it's a hockey podcast and, like, it's almost fucking July, all right? We're going to cover free agency. post games for games that don't exist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's still quite a bit of stuff going on for you to check out. Flyperbole, this show, uh, everything you want in a hockey that's podcast. That's pretty much it right now, yeah. Flyperbole in this show. Yeah, that's, that's I was that's like, wait, is there? No, that's all. Uh, still, that, that's two shows a week during the offseason? That's quite a bit. Quite a bit. Not bad. Uh, so hit subscribe, give us a five-star review, all that stuff. We'd appreciate it. Come to our draft party on Thursday. It's at Philly Live in the sports and social uh, bar area. I don't know what it is. Someone's got to take a picture and send it to us. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, inside the sports and social bar. The cool thing about casinos is that anybody can show up. Yeah. Like you just can't gamble and you can't drink, but anybody at any age can show up. So minors are encouraged to attend. Yeah. We actually, <laughs> we haven't had a, a draft party outside of a bar in a long time. So Remember when we had to sneak have, Joey oh, pierogies in? We did, because it had to be 21 plus. But since it's in a casino... Anyone can come. Anyone can come. And I think that's great. All right. That's it for this week. My name is Bill Matz for Steph, for Charlie, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah. Who's going to score hockey goals? Our team. No one does more hockey than our boys. The Flyers. It's 2023 and you're still looking for a baseball podcast? What's up, party people? Danny Vietti here from the Wake and Rake podcast. Yes, I know the name of our show freaking rocks. Join World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and I as we banter about the best of the best from Major League Baseball, including power rankings. One of the best players of all time. Headlines. Solidifies a dynasty. And special guests. Reese Hoskins. Stroh showed. Jose Trevino. Listen and or watch every episode of the Wake and Rake podcast available on all your favorite listening platforms and the all-new Believe Sports channel.